This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath here hosting this program for you. Great to have you here. Um, You know, this is an evening show. People typically don't drink this particular drink this time of the day. Between the hours of 8 and 10 p.m., this particular drink can have benefits beyond your wildest imagination. It's a simple thing. When you wake up in the morning, I know the first thing you want to do is have sex, of course, um, but probably the second thing you want to do is have a cup of joe. Well, you know what? There are magical benefits inside of that cup of joe. According to a new research study from the University of Texas Health Science Center at Houston, men who drink the caffeine equivalent of two to three cups of coffee per day are less likely to have erectile dysfunction. What good news? This study was published in the journal PLOS1, and it found that men who consume between 85 and 170 milligrams of caffeine a day were 42% less likely to suffer from erectile dysfunction, while those who consumed between 171 and 303 milligrams were 39% less likely. So two to three cups a day, guys. If it's impacting your mood, I would say cut back on it. For some people, it is the stimulant that it is. Um, and and it can stimulate everything like your heart, but it can get your blood flowing. It, according to this particular study out of the University of Texas Health Science Center at Houston, the researchers surveyed 3,700 men, all of whom were asked to fill out a questionnaire about how much caffeine they had consumed over the past 24 hours. And you know what? Caffeine is not just found in coffee. It is found in 7-Up. It's found in Mountain Dew. It is found in... Um, those Red Bull drinks, of course, there's an inordinate amount of caffeine in those drinks, um, in those energy drinks. So um, they asked how much caffeine people had consumed and over the past 24 hours. While the study found that caffeine intake reduced the likelihood of ED or erectile dysfunction in obese, overweight, and hypertensive men, the same was not true of those with diabetes. So that is important to understand that those with diabetes may not have the same benefits. Caffeine could not overcome the detrimental effects that diabetes has on erectile dysfunction. And diabetes impacts blood flow. Uh, If you were listening just prior to this segment, I did review how the blood flows to your penis or your brain, mainly your penis. Um, (laughs) I really don't know how it flows to your brain. Not sure it does, guys. Kidding. Love you. You know that. (laughs) But anyway, uh, often erectile dysfunction is the canary in the coal mine, and it may indicate diabetes or hypertension or, well, the overweight. We can see that, or you can just get on the scale. But it may be indicative of cardiovascular disease as well. So uh, this is not a big surprise that diabetes was not helped by or the issues that are associated around the penis in uh, the face of diabetes, it's not a big surprise because diabetes is one of the strongest risk factors associated with erectile dysfunction. 30 million American men struggle with erectile dysfunction. That means 3 million Canadian men. That doesn't mean that you're better at it, guys. It just means that we have fewer people in this country. We're about 10% of the population. So erectile dysfunction, to define it for you, it's the inability to, to sustain and a maintain an erection to a, sorry, my definition is, but according to um, the definition we use in the clinic, it's the inability, inability to attain and maintain an erection adequate for penetrative sex. And the risk of erectile dysfunction does increase with age, although we are seeing it in younger men. 
I had an email from somebody, and he was in a long-distance relationship. He was masturbating quite a bit to pornography, and he, when he was back with his girlfriend, he was having erectile dysfunction issues, probably something to do with the instant gratification of pornography. He was about 27 years of age. So it can happen. About 40% of 40-year-olds struggle with erectile dysfunction and 70% of 70-year-olds. So it's it's basically 50% of 50-year-olds and 60% of 60-year-olds. So it's the whatever decade, it's approximately that percentage. So the reason that caffeine works on the body and works to increase blood flow and that will help with erections is that it relaxes the helicine arteries of the penis and that in turn improves blood flow and that's basically how erections are formed. And so basically what happens is there's a stimulus an erection will happen when a man is sexually stimulated and then the brain sends chemical signals through the nerves down the spinal column that tell smooth muscles in the penis to relax. You might want to tell you got to relax too. Uh, blood collects in the penis and then blood is trapped in the penis because the venous, the veins shut down. The venous um, outflow doesn't occur. And that stiffens the penis until ejaculation. And then the smooth muscles begin to relax and the... Uh, person, the man ejaculates, and then there's a refractory period, which also increases. The refractory period is the time needed to rest before having another erection. So a teenager basically doesn't need to rest in between erections, but as men age, they need to rest longer and longer. I know some of you women out there are saying, thank goodness, his refractory period is a week now. For crying out loud, I've waited decades for this. Um, So that's basically how it works. So Um, As I said, caffeine sources include energy drinks and soda pops and tonic and whatever you want to call it, in addition to coffee and tea. Um, But, you know, coffee may be a little bit more of a healthier drink for you than some of those energy drinks. Um, Because we don't know some of the other ingredients that are in those energy drinks. And sugar is also um, in some of those energy drinks. So unless you put sugar in your coffee like I like to, but I, I use sweet and low, one of my vices. Um, uh, <laughs> I drink the worst coffee, let me tell you. I drink like Nabob Regular Tradition or Edwards, whichever is on sale. Well, not because it's on sale, but one is on sale when the other one isn't. And um, I drink those because I like those flavors, okay? I'm also a Tim Hortons kind of girl. Double Double is a big treat for me. Um, but so I have like Nabob regular tradition or Edwards and, and, you know, shoot me now. I use coffee mate <laughs> and sweet and low. Okay. So other than that, I have a very healthy diet aside from that and the occasional Purdy's chocolate, Himalaya salt, dark chocolate with caramel. But aside from that, I'm all good. Um, so the other thing is, um, there's even from this study, there's no way to make caffeine rec- recommendations because there there needs to be more research done. And we probably need to research men and women because their bodies probably respond differently to caffeine uh, than they are. We're, we're less alike uh, than we realize. And research needs to start happening for women. I've been talking to a lot of my colleagues in the research field about how there's such a paucity of Research. Most of the research happens to be done on men. Even there's a medication. It's a uh, for a low sexual desire. The 
the side effect research was done on men, okay? And it's about women. I mean, really, it's, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But there's this can be added to any one of a number of reasons why coffee is good second thing in the morning, because you know what I, I'm a proponent of for first thing in the morning. AM sex is good. Often, guys, testosterone levels are high in the morning, often your, which is also a contributing factor to a great erection. But, um, that you know, start the day out with that. And then... You know, you might want a warm drink, a kickstart, whatever, but know that your erections can be improved or potentially can be improved if you drink coffee. Okay, how about that? Uh, as this, as if we needed one more reason to uh, to drink coffee as the uh, stock prices soar. Hopefully your penis will too. I am Maureen McGrath and you are listening to Guess What? Yes, you heard it here <laughs> on the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Bottoms up with the coffee, guys. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath here talking about sex, of course. What else? Well, everything else, because everything is related to sex. So there's no subject I won't discuss on this program. Of course, with all due respect, we discuss these subjects. Uh, Sometimes there are sensitive subjects for people. People are embarrassed to talk about sex. People don't want to compare their sex lives verbally to one another, like the neighborhood, but they are often curious about other people's sex lives or just wondering how much is my, how much sex is my neighbor getting or how much sex are they having? Is that tied to how much money they earn over there? Is it tied to how many kids they have? Uh, You know, you assume that if they're gorgeous, they're having tons of sex. It doesn't necessarily mean that is the case, uh, but we're certainly always curious about it. Um, I honestly can't go to a dinner party where I am not, the subject doesn't come up always, uh, or I'm, I'm often pulled aside as well because people want to tell me about their personal issues because why would I ever get a break <laughs> from life or sex or talking about sex? But I'm actually quite happy to talk about it. I know it's a subject that people wonder about, people are curious about, and often people are misinformed about. So by all means, you can email me anytime you like, sextalk at cknw.com. I love your emails so much because I learn about what issues are going on out there for you. And and if I can help, that's grand. If I can lead you in the, in the right direction to get help, hopefully upward, that's also extremely beneficial, hopefully for you. And it actually gives me some satisfaction that perhaps I have helped somebody, you know, at, as a nurse, uh, as nurses, we, you know, it's our kind of our nature to care and to be kind and to be compassionate. And I really, whether I'm a nurse or not, or whether I be, would have become a nurse or not, I always had this inclination to help people. I used to save my my cookies for, <laughs> doesn't sound very good, for the bus driver. He would give me the front seat um, and I would save my dessert for him. I should say, not really my cookies, but anyway. Um, but you know what? It brought a smile to his face. He loved that. You know, it was like three o'clock in the afternoon. It probably elevated his blood sugar a little bit, that afternoon slump. Um, but, you know, I always wanted people to be informed as well, that they had the right information, correct information to make the best decision possible for their lives, for their health, so that they can live this beautiful thing we called life to the best of their knowledge and ability. And I felt when people were misinformed, they were at such a loss and it was such a handicap. 
So um, so continue to send me your emails, please, sextalk at cknw.com. I do have a clinical practice. I'm often asked about that, and I probably don't talk about that as much as I should, in part because I feel like I just want to give you everything on this show, and then you won't need to come and see me. I'm really not looking for... That's not my intention at all, but I often get the question, do you have a clinical practice? And I do indeed have one on uh, in North Vancouver, so here in British Columbia, but I also do Skype consults for those of you who might be listening in other parts of the country or the world. And, um, you know, you don't necessarily need more than, you know, a few chats. Um, and uh, often some of the work, or a lot of the work is work that you need to do, so I'll often be a guide for you. But I won't read your horoscope. I love to read mine, see if it comes out true. But I won't read yours. I'm not like that. <laughs> It's based on evidence. It's based on the science, the information that I provide to you as to the best of my ability and to the best that science can be. You know, that we have a lot of flawed studies. We we don't research enough on women. There are so many issues with it. But um, you know what? You try your best. You can't do any better than that in life. So I wanted to read this particular email. Hi, Maureen. I just saw your TEDx talk on YouTube and wonder if you can help. I'm in a sexless marriage. It's been seven months since I last initiated and therefore seven months since we've had sex. Everything else in the marriage is okay. Not great, but bearable. We have a young child together. Sex is very important to me, not just physically, but emotionally also. My husband won't go for counseling or therapy of any sort. He says that if I really want sex, I can look outside. He has also rejected my request for a divorce. So in the last few months, I picked up a boyfriend who is a married guy in a sexless marriage as well. It does solve some problems, but ultimately is not a comfortable solution as I am cheating, which is wrong. What should I do? I feel that I need to get out into and into a real relationship. That's what is normal and proper, right? Thank you, Sally. I'm sure when I started to read that email, I'm certain a lot of you thought, that that email was going to come from a man because we often think it's the women who have low sexual desire and that the men want sex all the time. But I hear more and more from women that it's the man in their life that doesn't want to have sex with them. And it's, it's, it's equally as hard and maybe even more painful to be in a relationship like that because as a woman, when a man doesn't want you and there's this societal theory that all men want is sex with any woman anytime and you're in a marriage when he can have sex with you anytime and he doesn't want to, it really hits at your self-esteem. It really cuts away at your sexual self-esteem, your sexuality, your sense of sensuality, your sense of yourself. It is so damaging and women feel even worse than men because men can kind of You know, there's a bit of an old boys club about, yeah, you know, uh, there's lots of jokes about how um, the wives don't want to have sex and they're kind of in it together. But when it's a woman, it's like, it's even more shameful. It's like, what? You know, you're you're a beautiful woman. Your husband doesn't want to have sex with you is what the response is is from friends and family and and their communities, if they ever even share that secret because it's such a stigma. So I wanted to address Sally's email. And just a couple of things struck me here. They have a child together. And so, you know, the idea of divorce is something you can't take lightly because it does impact the children. 
Whenever I hear anybody who is deprived of sex from their spouse, I think, is it fair to impose fidelity on a person who is just deprived of sex from their spouse? And when that person has an extramarital affair, must we call it cheating or is it merely survival? This guy has given her permission to go out and have an extramarital affair. How about that? A lot of people would like that permission, but she doesn't feel right about it, even though she has done it. And lo and behold, she's met a kindred spirit. She's met a guy who's in a sexless marriage. How convenient is that? Well, it's so, it is actually, in fact, so common. 20% of marriages are sexless, and that's sex less than 10 times per year. So um, it's, it would stand to reason that she might find someone. So she's meeting her sexual needs, but is she meeting her emotional needs and her family needs and her dream of having a family and having an intimate bond with another human being that you can go throughout life with? I mean, there are certainly times in life when people do not have sex. They have sex less frequently, perhaps after the birth of a baby or, and hopefully you'll be understanding about that, guys. Um, and other times, maybe during medical conditions or maybe during surgery, maybe your wife has to have surgery and she can't have sex on the operating table. Um, <laughs> I, there are times uh, when, when a woman might have untreated, painful sex. That may be a time as well. It is the responsibility of a person to get the right treatment that they need. But so this guy won't even go for therapy, right? It's, it's done before they've even tried. So he won't go for therapy. So you also have to ask yourself the question, how did I get involved with this guy? Sex is important to me. What was sex life before, like before the marriage? Did you think you could change him? Did you think he would have more sex after the marriage? Maybe more permission, less guilt? What's happened to this guy? Has he had a history of sexual abuse? It doesn't mean every guy who doesn't want to have sex with a woman has been sexually abused. Is he, uh, is he true to his sexuality? Is he actually only in a relationship with a woman because um, of society, because of the societal pressures to be heterosexual? Is his family putting pressure on him? Is that what it is? Do you want to have children? You know, what is going on? There's something going on, but when one person in the relationship wants sex and the other one doesn't, there's a problem in the relationship. And when one person in the relationship wants to work on it and the other one doesn't, there's a problem in the relationship and the sustainability of that relationship is in question, I will say. So I would talk to him again Talk to him about that therapy is a gift you give to yourself. Everybody has problems. Everybody struggles. It's how we get through these problems. Even if he would rather be with a man, anything, let him know that no matter what, you will still love him. You may love him in a different way, but it's important to you. Sex is important to you, and you need to get that resolved. I am Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath here, answering your emails, of course, at sextalk at cknw.com. Thank you so much for all of them. I think not only do they help me, help me to learn about what is plaguing you, but they also can help other people. And because one thing that helps other people is knowing that they are not alone. So I wanted to answer this particular email from Jeffrey. Hi, Maureen. Just saw your TED Talk, great speech and use of comedy. I am going through sexual problems in my marriage and have developed an unhealthy, cuckold fantasy. I'm a 30-year-old accomplished engineer and have a five- and six-year-old, and my wife is 27 years of age. We've been married for almost five years now. We have been separated for the last month because she is staying with her parents. She has left me because of this cuckold fantasy that I realize is so bad. 
That's my intro. It only gets better, or worse, shall I say. I'm looking for help. I, After your speech, I realized at least there's somebody I can reach out to. Jeffrey. Thanks, Jeffrey, for that very honest email. First of all, I want to say that uh, he defines cuckolding. First of all, I'll just tell you what cuckolding is. Just in case you don't know, you probably heard the term. You probably think it's kinky, and it probably is. <laughs> I think it probably is. But um, how does it work? You know, it's actually a very common fantasy for heterosexual men. And in fact, it's probably the second most common fantasy, first or second. It's right up there, let me tell you. So it's, as as uh, you realize, my job is to educate you on these things. And cuckolding is just one of the many kinks that people have, but they don't fully understand. And this guy feels that it's unhealthy. And it's not necessarily unhealthy. It just is what it is. It's just one of those things. It's one of those choices in life. So I describe cuckolding as a marriage or relationship where the man or the husband derives sexual pleasure from watching his wife have sex with a man who has a larger penis than he has. Um, so the couple will form an agreement in their marriage, allowing this act of cuckolding. And a lot of uh, people engage in this type of behavior. And it can vary in degree from role playing for some couples. And that might be something this gentleman does to the actual lifestyle of cuckolding, where the wife engages in sex with other men in front of her husband. And this, um, this actually, this knowledge and this tolerance of this behavior of, of watching your wife have sex with other men makes um, the husband in this type of relationship a whittle. And that's what they're called. They are whittles. Um, so... There's also a uh, the female equivalent, the cuck queen. Um, that actually is uh, has historical roots. This is not something new, and it actually appears in English literature from 1562. And cuckold refers to the fact that the man being cuckolded is the last to know about his wife's infidelity. But as this has evolved, this uh, the man not only knows about it but desires it. So I can see where this is a problem. There's a young woman in a marriage. She's married an engineer, and she thinks that she's had a couple of kids and raising these young kids and married for a few years, and her husband tells her that he has a fantasy of her watching, uh, of her having sex with somebody else and him watching it. And you can see why she ran. Can you not understand that? And, of course, they... I'm sure everybody, because she's run off to her parents, which is often where women go when they, when they leave their husband at such a young age, they, um, they, uh, they, they're probably all saying, you know, there's something wrong with him. He needs help. He's, he's crazy. I imagine this is what has occurred. Um, so in modern cuckolding, the husband watches his wife engage in the sexual activity with other men in front of him, or she tells him about the experience. So this is a difficult thing for any woman to receive, especially, I don't know what her background is, how she's been educated around sex, never mind cuckolding, but he is seeking help for this. And so I think part part of the help I can give him is that this is, you know, a fairly common sexual fantasy. There's nothing wrong with him. 
and the marriage shouldn't end over it. It's, you know, it's almost because you don't have to act on every single fantasy that you have. So I think that will relax the guy, number one, and perhaps even relax his wife, who likely has a lot of shame, and she's come back to her parents, who probably know why, and they're thinking, oh my gosh, this is just unbelievable. And so now the private sex life is for all the dysfunctional family to share and speak about and judge. And of course, he's not part of the family of origin, so that makes it even worse. And they're probably blaming all sorts of reasons um, on this when it's actually a way that people kink things up in the bedroom. Um, but she's he's freaked her out, that's for darn sure. And so... This, uh, the other part of cuckolding is the main ingredient in, in the cuckolding marriage is humiliation and denying the husband's sexual release until his wife decides to allow him to climax. So they often do climax as they're watching because it's stimulating and arousing to watch um, your wife have sex with somebody else. Um, but so there's that piece of it. So there are many different elements of this sex play, which is what it is, basically. And there's also that, but humiliation is the carry-on. Humiliation is the central theme. And so part of that sex play is also to compare penis size um, of uh, the lover to the husband. And, And the wife shames her husband for not having a large enough penis to satisfy her completely. But, you know, you actually need to have two people engaged in this, two people interested in this, two people willing to participate in this, um, but you have to understand it before you can make a decision um, about whether or not you want to have this type of a relationship. And this is not to be confused with swinging or having an open marriage or polyamory. Cuckolding is different in that the husband is loved by his wife only. He allows her her to experience pleasure with another man but he doesn't want her to fall in love with the other man, only just receive pleasure from him. In a way, you could say it's the ultimate gift. In the way, in a way, you could say, this is a beautiful thing to watch my wife have incredible pleasure, somebody who's better than I, somebody who's a humble man who is potentially allowing this, giving this gift. It's just a reframing of it. It's a different way. Shame is also a part of this because shame is a way that in in one way that the wife makes the man submissive to her. And sometimes submission elevates through the wife using domination or bondage paraphernalia, using some ropes or cuffs or something or, or ties um, to tie her spouse up and potentially use a paddle or a spank or or flog him as a way of punishment or shaming for not fulfilling her sexual desire. So this is really sex play. Um, But you can always say no. Um, And, you know, this is something that's been around for centuries, and it retains its popularity even today. But it's not talked about. Um, Cuckold porn is second only to youth in heterosexual porn searches online. Um, it doesn't, but what you see in pornography doesn't typically explain the psychological aspect of cuckolding. And and this is a really psychological form of, uh, of sex play. So, you know, he's obviously, his wife has found out somehow, I'm going to speculate. 
he perhaps didn't tell his wife <laughs> in the way he maybe should have. Um, you know, the, if you want to approach your wife about this, it's a new adventure. Uh, it's a new adventure in sex play. That's how it has to be viewed. And this should all begin slowly with the ultimate respect for one another, respectful communication. Just feel your wife out for this, knowing her background, knowing her education, knowing her comfort level and her vulnerability. But be very respectful. And you know what? If it's not for your wife, it's not for your wife. But you can still role play this and still have some fun Back to the bedroom. I am Maureen McGrath, and you are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Well, it's hard to believe that um, the show is coming to an end. We're in the final stroke. So hopefully you're stroking somebody, too, um, right about now or after the show, perhaps, or maybe during the whole show. That's good. Um, I want to continue on with some of these emails. And once again, I thank you so much for sending me your email, sextalk at cknw.com. Your emails help listeners. You know, we've had other listeners on the show in the past, and they call up and they want to help somebody who's called in with a problem. It's a beautiful thing. It's lovely because when we share stories, our stories, our personal private stories of pain and progress and processing and um, perpetual joy, we empower other people. So keep it up. Keep it coming. People love you for doing that. And I love your emails. So here's another one. Hi, Maureen. Just saw your TED talk um, uh, last year from last year. And I liked it. Many things you said hit points close to me. I'm delighted to know that you're here in British Columbia. There's a little hint. I would wonder if you would offer counsel. I have low sexual desire for my partner of 20 years. We have four children, 9, 10, 12, and 14, and I have no sex drive for my partner. I've been faithful, and he says he has two, but you would call ours a sexless marriage. A recent trip to New York City with friends and the welcome attention I got from a man there told me that I indeed have sexual desire, just not for my husband, who has sexual desire for me. I could very much use your advice and support. So could our marriage. Please send a word about how you can help. I look forward to your response and thank you. And that's from Maribel. Thanks, Maribel, for your email. I bet there's so many women that are in this situation, believe you me. You know, when you marry somebody and you have a bunch of kids with them and then you buy a house and, and it costs $2 million and it's a teardown and it's rat infested and you got to move the kids in. <laughs> Then you're like, okay, we're going to move because we had another baby, so we're going to buy a $3.5 million house, put the pressure on two people are working inside and outside of the home, and there is just no time for sex. And then you don't like the way that they save money or they spend money or they don't save or, or the risk that they take in certain purchases or whatever. There are so many decisions, so many thoughts. The kids are misbehaving. I mean, a lot is going on, and you can just get depleted within the marriage, especially if you hadn't paid attention, if you haven't paid attention to your marriage and to keeping the romance alive and keeping the sex alive. And you know what? Desire doesn't necessarily come first, and especially in a long-term relationship. It is arousal that comes, it is sex that comes first, and then arousal leads to sexual desire. That's in the longer-term relationship. There's also this, uh, which Maribel spoke of in the 
in the email this kind of she met a guy in New York who was like paying some attention to her and making her feel pretty and sexy and uh, making her laugh perhaps and uh, had a great sense of humor maybe a snarky sense of humor who knows what uh, what is attractive you know you you think we uh, as women you lose that sense of femininity that sense of sensuality. You're no longer a sexual being, you think, because you're washing the floors and the toilets and you're making lunches and you're putting the kids to bed and and you're cleaning and it's endless and you're food shopping and you're trying to be creative uh, in the kitchen. Forget the bedroom. You're thinking of what am I going to serve these kids who don't eat anything uh, at the dinner table? Let's just give them cereal and a muffin for dinner. Why not? (laughs) And you're just exhausted and maybe you're working outside of the home too. Maybe there are some financial pressures because your starter home costs $4 million. I mean, who knows? So there's lots of problems. It's exhausting just even thinking about it, but it's often the reality. Maybe you're husband is a slob. Maybe your wife is a slob. Maybe he's gained weight or she's gained weight. I mean, who knows? Maybe you're just not attracted to them. Maybe you married the wrong person in the first place. You didn't even, you just thought they're a good catch. They're going to be able to support me and my desire to have four or five children. And um, this looks good to everybody else. But I was really attracted to the, the guy with the tattoos who took the tree down in my front yard. Who knows, right? Um, so this is this is the thing. This is why it's important for women to maintain their sense of sexuality and sensuality. And there are some things to do that to increase your sexual desire. I wrote a blog about this. If you go to my my blog, Fifty Shades of Pink, you'll see it. But I'll give you a few tips. And one of them is get naked for crying out loud. Be naked when you self stimulate. When you masturbate, be naked. Touch yourself, feel yourself, be mindful as to what feels good. Be sexual, get a sex toy, get a womanizer. You can go to my website and, and get one of those. It's the best sex toy out there. It's a clitoral suckling device. It'll in, get those juices flowing. It'll help you to experience orgasm. I treat a lot of women with um, the womanizer. Well, they, they purchase it, they treat themselves. But um, it's a clitoral suckling device and it's fantastic. The other thing is, I, you know, on, on that get naked theme, be comfortable in your skin, in your body. If you're leading a healthy life, you're going to want to be naked. Walk around naked. Enter the bedroom at night when you come in naked. Maybe just a nice pair of hot red pumps or something, but that's about all. Uh, also, wearing G-strings is helpful for even for a few hours. So say you're like getting things wrapped up at the end of the day, tidying up, putting the kids to bed, you know, slap on a G-string. It provides a little bit of pressure on your clitoris. It'll help to start to get you aroused and um, and make you feel good and uh, get you in the mood. Also, if you're um, doing some housework and you're, and you're home alone, uh, <laughs> uh, perhaps, um, unless, you know, you're with young kids and whatever and everybody's running around naked, but you know what? If you're by yourself and... You know, do some of your chores in the buff. Do some of your chores in your birthday suit. Sit at your desk naked, okay? That actually helps people to get aroused and to be thinking about sex and to feel sexy. And and you actually hold your posture up better when you don't have clothes on because you're more concerned about what's sticking out and what's not sticking out. And uh, I may not suggest that you answer the door to the delivery guy naked or in your birthday suit, uh, and they might call the police, but that could all be part of your fantasy. Fantasy is key in terms of sexual arousal. And so if you love the man that you're with, and I'm, I'm assuming that she's come back from New York and she didn't bring the guy that, uh, that she may or may not have had a liaison with, 
Um, but the guy paid her some attention. He paid some attention. And we often hear that. I often hear that from women. I, they, they say, I never would have cheated, but this guy paid me some attention. He said he liked my picture. He said I was attractive. He said he wanted to meet me for a drink. He said he, um, you know, he, he was a man. I was a woman. And, you know, shall the twain meet? And, you know, so there are things that, uh, and, you know, sometimes when you're dealing with all sorts of issues, um, you know, you forget uh, that, um, you know, somebody's there and needs to have some attention paid to them. So, you know, they, you, you just feel like I'm just doing everything for this guy. I'm picking up his laundry. I am, you know, food shopping for him. He doesn't appreciate anything. I pay all the bills. He doesn't even notice when I put on this hot pink dress that, you know, with a plunging neckline or when I, you know, take it off and I've got gorgeous lingerie on. He doesn't even notice. He's got his headphones in or he's on his computer. I mean, who knows? But uh, in this case, the guy is still attracted to her. So she could be in sweatpants perhaps and uh, he's still attracted, but he's maybe not meeting her emotional needs. And so that's important. Anyway, it's all important. I tell you all of this, your relationship, your sex life, your health, your body, Everything, the way you look at life and the way you enjoy life, it's also important. It's um, it's also important that you listen. And I love the fact that you listen to this show every Sunday night. And I love delivering this information to you and for you. And I hope in my little way, I make it just a little bit better for you. And if there's anything I can do better, email me, sexdoc at cknw.com. Of course, you can go to my website, backtothebedroom.ca. You can get a womanizer on there if you like. Um, order one of those and then, uh, you know, it's a hundred percent satisfaction. I'm telling you, I get so many emails from people telling, from women telling me that they, um, they love it. They absolutely love it. It's the best thing that they, that has entered their bedroom in a long time. You don't need those plastic sex dolls, uh, ladies, uh, that even talk back. You, uh, maybe you don't want the guy to talk either, but anyway, um, when a womanizer will do the trick, uh, we've reclaimed that word. Anyway, thank you everybody for listening. It's, uh, always my pleasure to be here with you. And remember when you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of my dance, go to my website, back to the bedroom.ca at the at back the number two the bedroom on Twitter and uh, until next week have a sexually healthy week and enjoy life for all of its glory. I am Maureen McGrath and you've been listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk nine eighty CKNW Vancouver's News Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk nine eighty CKNW.